0: Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm your host, Lewis McParlin, and in this episode we'll be reviewing the five European fixtures that included French teams over the last three days, while also taking a look forward to this weekend and three of the matches set to be played in Ligue 1. Towards the end of the episode, we'll also take a look at the recent French national team call-ups and express our feelings over the selection. Today, I'm joined, as ever, by GFFN's favourite Anj fan, Thomas Wiseman. Now, Thomas, following his calamity against Amiens, if you could sum up Ludovic Patel in one word, what would it be? Worrying. I would probably agree with that ahead of uh, PSG this weekend. And speaking of PSG, I'm also joined today by our resident Paris Saint-Germain season ticket holder, Philip Bargiel. Now, Philip, are you going to be at the Parc de Prance this weekend, or will you be watching from home?
1: So I'll be I'll be at the ground on Saturday at 5.30. Looking forward to it? Oh, yes. yes. Well, it depends. <laughs> depends. depends because we're not attacking that well. Didn't didn't attack that well at Bordeaux or in Turkey. And Angers are pretty good at being um, um, hard to break down. So we'll see.
0: Ah, uh, yes, and we'll address that match later on in the episode. Yeah. An early title challenge? It looks like a title decider, you could say. Oh, yes. <laughs> anyway, on to the football. Last week, Ligue 1 saw plenty of close fought matches with the likes of Strasbourg, PSG, and Nantes, only putting one past Montpellier, Bordeaux, and Lyon in their matches. Monaco bucked that trend though with a confident 4-1 victory over Brest with their new look setup really pay- paying in dividends. More on them later. Saint-Étienne got a much-needed victory as they beat Nîmes 1-0. Dijon followed Levert in getting their first win of the season against Reims and elsewhere there were draws between Metz and Toulouse and Nice and Lille. Firstly, we're going to review some of the European action that happened during the week. So firstly, we'll talk about Lille and their first home match of the group stage in the Champions League. Now, they hosted Chelsea and lost 2-1 with Victor Asimhen getting the goal for Lille, but Tammy Abraham and Willian cancelling that goal out for Chelsea. So, Thomas, generally, what did you make of Lille in this match?
2: It was... uh a difficult per- performance um on the the most the most most part um chelsea dominated the ball for the majority of the game but Lil, Lil did look um threatening on the on the, the counter attack as they, as they always uh tend to do they had one or two spells in the, in the sort of the latter end of the first half and um the start of the, the second half but s- struggled to to really um, break down, break down Chelsea, and even when they did have chances, Kepa made one or two good saves. Uh, I saw one from um, Araujo that he made a good save down to his his right hand side, and and Chelsea were just there to score two really good goals. Um, in all honesty, um, Abraham's goal was really well taken, and, and Willian's um, also. So it's a tough, really tough start to to Champions League uh, life for a lot of these players. And uh, next they've got Valencia in a, in a double header. That's really, I mean, if they've, if they've got to win, get something out of that game to, to have any hope of of getting through the group or, or getting that Europa League spot.
0: Yeah, Lille now set to bottom of the group with zero points. So it looks as if this group is starting to get away from them. They really need to make the most of those Valencia matches, there, don't they? How many points should they be looking for in those two games, home and away?
2: They need that that win at home. Um, it really has to be, and if they can get a draw away, that'd be brilliant. That, that four points would be uh, would be fantastic. But the, that home that home performance really um, needs to be a win for them.
0: And the man that got the goal for Lille has been the Nigerian Victor Osimhen, someone very highly rated by Ligue 1 fans this year, so we talked about him a little bit more towards the start of the season, just when he joined from Charleroi, but Thomas, just in generally, what's been your opinion on Asimhin this season? And if you had to link him, or compare him to any other player, who would it really be? I know there's been a lot of comparisons between Asimhin and Drogba, I don't know what your opinion is on that.
2: Um, Asimhin's much more, he's much quicker than Drogba ever was. Um he's quite he, strange that he's got he doesn't seem like he would be um would be that quick but his his acceleration over the first couple of strides he's got kind of a um an awkward running style to him but he does pick up pace. Uh you you see it not 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 um when he's when he's played through but just that, cause once once he turn over possession that acceleration the, the defender's just left behind. He's got a yard in the defender within, you know, two or three strides. Um so he's really, really quick player. Um his anticipation and and, and instincts are, are on top form at the moment. He, he's he's kind of carried Lil through some some games this season, um, which is I guess um concerning and and kind a of really good sign i think it's it's 7 7 goals now so far yeah around about that and we're just into october so you um you'd like to think they could carry on this form uh and and i'm sure galtier will as well
0: mm. And the three that have sat behind Lille for much of this season, or at least in recent games, have been Jonathan Icone, who was obviously a, a mainstay of Lille's successful runner-up season last year. Jonathan Bamba as well. But with Nicola Pepe going to Arsenal, Luis Araujo has really taken that mantlepiece in his place. Uh, what have you made of the Brazilian so far? And do you think he will be able to keep his place when Timothy Weah comes, comes back to fitness?
2: Um, yeah, he's... I think last season um he's been here since Bielsa, i think so yeah he's been uh, um he's been in Lille for a for, for a while but he's in consistently in and out of the team and he's had good performances The andre performance was great um he was pulling off quite a lot of tricks and, and flicks and and back heels uh, he looks more confident than i've i've seen him in the past um more his Decision making is a little little bit better. Um, obviously, a bit, a, quite a direct uh, a direct threat and a, a direct player. Timothy Way coming back. Um, he's still a very young, um, very young player. And as maybe as he as the season goes on into next season, then he, perhaps he he comes into that starting berth. But at the moment, I think Araujo has that. And
0: going on to uh, a bit more deeper in their midfield. With the signings of Renato Sanchez and also Benjamin Andre, their midfield has been talked about a lot this season. But I want your opinions, gentlemen. I want your opinions on who should sit in the midfield too for Lille. Because it's it's changed about this season, especially with Renato Sanchez being signed. Players like Sheikha aren't as mainstays, aren't as much of a mainstay as much as they were last season. But I want your opinion on who should sit in the midfield too for Lille this season. Uh, Thomas, we'll start with you.
2: Yep, I'm picking um, Benjamin Andre and uh, Boubacari Samare. Um, Andre has been in Ligue 1 for years. He's he's kind of a veteran, even though he's not actually that old. Um, really experienced, has as, as started. Um, really uh, quite impressive in, in any game I've seen him. Um, just very controlling, a calming presence in that midfield, um, and just breaks down a lot of uh, a lot of possession, a lot of attacks, and just does simple passing and and, and keeps possession quite well. And um, so the reason they signed him was was for that reason um, was you know for um, to have that the stability and somebody like Sumari's a very 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 talented player. Uh, he's only twenty twenty years old, yeah. um, but he's he has he's had some sort of sporadic appearances last season, but I think this this year could be uh, his year to kick on. He had that that big offer in in the summer from uh, Wolves, I think it was forty close to forty million, um, that he rejected, and I think he's going to have his his head down and and really look to to. To blow up this season, which I think he, he really could do.
0: And Philip, who do you think should be Lille's two central midfielders this season?
2: So Thomas's
1: partnership is very uh, appealing. It's uh, uh, I would go with Sumare too. Uh, I would pick Checker over Andre. Uh, not that I'm, you know, uh, I think Andre is a very experienced midfielder and all that. In a four-two-three-one, I just think that um, as a Portuguese would be. Uh, more suited box to box, maybe, maybe have more of an more of an impact uh, overall uh, during during the game. Uh, Lille have uh, funds they've got Bamba, they've got uh, they've got Osimien to to put the goals in. I would, yeah, I would take Saka, I would take Sheka over Andre, even though it's a very close um, contest.
0: Interesting, because I think I would agree. I, I really like shaker and I'd probably put him. Just ahead of Benjamin Andre, but it, it, it is close between the two.
1: We, ba- he's barely played yet. I mean, yeah, games.
0: I think he only really played against Strasbourg earlier in the season. I
1: think it was. Yeah, he started. He started against Strasbourg, got subbed, and then he came on as a sub at Lille, and that's yeah. it. That yeah. was in, that was uh, yeah that was last week
0: which is quite disappointing when he was involved so much last season. Mm. Uh, But let's move on to another French team that were playing in Europe. That was PSG. They travelled to Turkey to play Galatasaray. PSG won 1-0 with Mauro Arcardi on loan from Inter Milan, scoring his first goal since moving to Paris. So, Mm. Philip, what did you make of the game generally for
1: PSG? Um, It was... um... It was very aggressive from the uh, from the Turkish players. Um, not exactly a dirty game. I mean, the the, the media around here said that uh, the players were being uh, kicked, were kicked around. I, I didn't I didn't feel like it. I mean, it was yeah, it was a bit of a rough game. But you know, if uh, if you're professional football, you can cope with it. Um, there's still loads of questions to be asked without as we were playing without Mbappe and without Neymar, who was still suspended. Um are quite worried about Di Maria in front of goal. Uh, Mr. 1 on 1 versus uh, the uh, goalkeeper. I think the goalkeeper is Muslera. Um, mm-hmm. Sarabia, apart from his pass, didn't do much at all. Icardi, apparently he's not that he's not 100 percent fit, but it's very hard to exist in a 4-3-3, especially in a flat 4-3-3, when you have both wingers not playing to their to their potentials. The midfield three also, I, I think uh, it, it's a, it's a bit too, too defensive. But apart from that, got the three points, got the job done. It was still, I mean, it it was still extremely cagey. Loads loads of fouls, loads of um, uh, loads of complaining to the referee. Furiani was on. It was probably one of his top five games in terms of of uh, of yelling at the referee, even though he was nowhere near the action. Um, but, uh, it, it just, yeah. Still, still quite worrying, and, and I do believe that we need, uh, we do, we do need to replace. We know that Neymar may leave next summer, so we really need to think about a replacement because uh, the, the guys who have been there for a long time are starting to get old. Uh, they're starting to be less precise with the ball, and still, are uh, shall we say, our attacking threat is not what it used to be. So, yeah, I think I think there'll be quite a few goalless draws uh, this season. And, yeah, uh, it could be any game. So watch this space on Saturday. Do you think
0: PSG are being held back right now because of their quite defensive midfield? You know, Idrissa Gay and Marquinhos are both quite quite known as defensive midfielders and Marco Verratti isn't. The most offensive midfielder in the world, so the, obviously that's been good for PSG because they've got so many clean sheets that they've not allowed the opposition to really score in recent weeks. But does that hold them back going forward as well,
1: Philip? Yeah, I think so because Mar- Marquinhos is basically Marquinhos is basically protecting the back four, so that the other the other midfield the other midfielders can go can go forward a little bit more. Um, but we had we had in the past more dynamic situations like Matridi... When he was on that left side of the uh, of the of the midfield trio on the left, uh, he, he he scored loads of goals, made loads of passes, caused loads of problems to the opposition, and it's just not happening right now. And that's I mean that's that's a problem. That's that's where that's where it's not uh, things are just not quite happening. It was the same at Bordeaux. I mean at Bordeaux they they were playing. They weren't even playing a back five back five at Bordeaux. It was just. It was just uh, it was just a, a case of uh, missed opportunities. Neymar had a had a had a horrible game too, and um, he only scored when Mbappe put uh, put the ball to him on the plate. I this is this is this is quite uh, quite worrying because we bought Gate for being a, a pretty decent. I'm not going to say box to box, but you know he can he can cope with with all the defensive and all the physicality, which is good. I mean, we needed that, but. Offensively, that's not going to happen, and I'm not going to talk about Puede because you know he's not good.
0: Uh, it, it seems as if really PSG's only centre mid options, out with the three that started at Galatasaray, are yeah. Le- Leandro Paredes uh, but also Ander Herrera, who are both again very defensive midfielders. I mean, the only Guy who sticks out to me right now as someone who's a bit more attacking, who can play in the centre of midfield, is Julian Draxler. Yeah. Should he be get put back in the team?
1: I would. I mean, I would put him straight back in, straight back in the team. I don't know when when he's supposed to be back, but um, yeah, I would uh, basically uh, um, put him as a as a number ten, or put De Marie as a number ten. But it really needs to happen. I mean, we we had. We've had this formation for years. Uh, I mean, a very, very long time, and uh, this is one of the rare times where i say, okay, the midfield tree is not doing much. It's just, it's just not helping uh, anyone. And it doesn't really matter who you have, who you have up front. I mean, the midfield needs to control, needs to control the game, and the players need to be, to stick between uh, the opposition's line of defence and the line of midfield. And, and, and it's just, it's, it just won't happen without some more dynamic approach. So, toho do really needs to to address this issue, I think.
2: Yeah, that 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 feel, that midfield just seems a little bit too reserved for a, a PSG side. You need that that third player is, is sort of missing. That mm. ad, a more advanced midfielder that takes up positions up for, further up the pitch. Um, well, yeah, that's missing for them.
0: And our third Champions League match that we're going to review of the episode was Lyon and their trip to Leipzig. So Lyon, as many people know, have been under the cosh, under Brazilian manager Silvinho. He's not really been getting the results that they were looking for. People have said they've been too cautious and this and that. But they went to Germany, played a very good Leipzig side and won 2-0 with Memphis Depay and Martin Terrier getting the goals. Was this a deserved win, Philip, or were they a little bit lucky to get the three points?
1: Uh, both. It was Sivinho uh, 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 got uh, an approach which was very good. Uh, he got his tactics spot on. Uh, so it was a five-three-two with uh, no five-two-three. Sorry, with uh, so Tiago Mendes and uh, Tuchel protecting the defence, and then you had the uh, Memphis to as kind of a force nine. Uh, Terry on the right, Awa on the left, and uh, the, uh, shall we say, the, uh, the performance, uh, shall we say, mentally, how the players helped each other was absolutely spot on. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen that uh, this season yet, um, uh, but uh, the defending was, I mean, I didn't I didn't uh, see the, I mean, I must have glanced at the ratings uh, a couple of hours ago, but um I don't think anyone had a bad grade, but the only guy who stood up as being a, in a bad way was Fernando Massa. And that's uh, he would fall for loads of uh, chances for Leipzig. Uh, for Timo Werner, who's a, a player that everybody rates as world-class, which I never understood why, uh, because that guy just cannot finish uh, one-on-one. He's just he's just not very good at uh, beating, beating the goalkeeper uh, when he's uh, clear-on goal. So he had two great chances in the first half, he, I think he, I think Lopez made a save and his second one he put uh, wide, I think that was. Yeah. So, I mean, if he scores those two goals, you are behind and probably lose. But uh, they, say, they, they were quite compact, they were quite serious. Marcelo, I, I, I do remember uh, clearing one off the line from Paulson. And, and then... I mean, the spirit was back, I mean, the spirit was back about, about helping each other, about, uh, you know, winning, winning the challenges, and it was, it was great to see, it was great to see, especially as it was really not expected, because basically what, what's happening is that all I told Jerminho, who probably told Savinio, okay, you've got, you've got Leipzig on, on Wednesday. It was, it was Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Wednesday. And you've got Saint-Étienne on, on Sunday, and uh, that's basically, and, and we'll see what we'll do uh, after the Santistin game. Basically, uh, what he's saying between the lines is, if you lose those games, I'll fire you. That, 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 that's what, it, what that's what it means. So, Sivinho, I'm not saying he can afford to lose the derby because that's a very risky thing to say when when you, uh, to to Lyon fans these days. Uh, well, not not only these days, but he 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 got uh, shall we say some bonus sympathy points from. Loads of uh, from loads of people, especially by the by the by the guys who travelled all the way to East Germany, and not saying he's got everybody back on board, but at least he's he he got he got results that were okay. Mm. It was it was not a bad, it was a very good performance. Of course, it wasn't in in France it it wasn't really regarded as such because uh, offensively lyon weren't that good and that's what they want that's what they want to see but tactically it was such a such a good such a good game by, uh, by, by Sylvain. by you silvino know, that you know you can't really you, you can't really you can't really criticize uh, a french side winning two 0 uh, away in a Champions League group stage i mean PSG aside it really doesn't happen that often so let's let's enjoy it so the win for lyon came at the right time and do you think that
0: that five three two 3 or the five two three, as you called it, do you think mm-hmm. that's the formation to, to go forward with for Lyon to approach this Sanetian etienne match with?
1: Well, you know, let's, let's look at this as a, a new guy coming in a new country and uh, not being very experienced. I don't think Cianvino is that, is that experienced as a manager. Let's look at it this way. He he starts at Lyon, he comes in from, from Brazil. He's uh, basically the guy... Who comes in Janino's uh, suitcase? Because Janino is deal, <laughs> but Silvino is like, yeah, he played for Arsenal, he played for Barcelona. Okay, well, we'll have him. It's uh, it's good. It's it's great to have Janino. I mean, it's great to have Janino. Let's see what Silvino can do. So Silvino inherits a squad. Uh, Fakir has has left for for City. He he got a few places, He got Anderson. Anderson, who, who was good uh, at uh, uh, at Leipzig, and who who's actually. I saw had an okay season up, to, up until now. Loads of critics, though. So loads of critics for Anderson. I got uh, Jean luc uh, too, and he's tried loads of loads of little things. The performances haven't been good, um, and this is basically it, it's it's first, shall we say, decent performance against uh, a big against a big side in a big game. So I really can't see why. He wouldn't uh, iterate that formation and that tactic, even though Lyon will be going to Rafa to win. Mm. I'd be very surprised if there's a change, pending injury injuries aside, of course. Yeah,
0: I assume they'll they'll set up with a pretty similar formation. But we will talk about the Lyon Sanetian match when we come to rev- yeah. uh, preview some of the league matches later on in the episode. It's a it's a very interesting fixture actually coming up. I, I can't wait to talk yeah. about it. Uh, one of the two Europa League matches that featured French teams this week was San Etienne and their hosting of Wolfsburg. This match finished 1-1 with Timothy Kolajicak opening the scoring for San Etienne before William Furtado equaled the game up for Wolfsburg just a few minutes later. Um, Philip, you were watching this one as well. How mm. did this one pan out for San Etienne coming up against a very in-form Wolfsburg side?
1: I was actually expecting volsburg to waltz through the, the Saint-Étienne given their league position and, and general performances. Uh, but uh, this was basically reminiscent of Saint-Étienne's uh, uh, performances in the Europa League uh, when they were like fifth or sixth, a couple of years back, when they were managed by uh, Gaitier. This was basically nothing really different. It was between two sides who... Clearly had better things to think about than giving a, a big, big performance um, in uh, in a Europa League game. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Saint-Etienne thinking was thinking about Lyon uh, way before the way before kickoff, and that Wolfsburg are thinking about uh, challenging for for the uh, Champions League spots uh, in the in the Bundesliga. So the game, yeah, it was not good. It was a bit boring, it was quite boring. it was well it was it was typical Saturday in the Europa League. It was boring. and it was um it was two goals. there were basically two goals in a minute, so Colegia Jack had deflected shots that beat the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper was out was off his line uh, because he he punched away across, and uh, seconds later, William, uh, the uh, Wolfsburg um, right winger, uh, headed in a ball. Uh, he didn't even have to jump. Actually, nobody jumped uh, for for a cross, and that was seconds after. Uh, that was seconds after. Uh, uh, Nothing really happened after the game. But again, uh, pretty sure the sides were focused on what was going on. What was going on this weekend? I mean, Wolfsburg don't have a difficult game this weekend. Uh, they host Union Berlin, who are basically gaining. Uh, have have been getting hammered a bit, uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure they they want top four in the Bundesliga this season. And I'm pretty sure they'll sacrifice the League just like Saint Etienne actually, but I can't see. Again, we're, we're not going to talk about the whole Saint Etienne thing right like just now. I just, I just can't see. I just can't see Saint Etienne being 19th uh, with that kind of performances. I mean, they, they've got good players. They've got yeah. really sorry players, but let's let's you know, leave it at that for now. Yeah. That, that is
0: the annoying thing with San Etienne is that they, they weren't even poor in the summer with the players they brought in. You know, players like Dennis Buanga and, uh, oh, what's his name? The boy who came from Spain who plays very much beside... beside Boos. Yes, Booty Bruce. I always forget mm. his name. Uh, you know, it's not easy enough as if they're Poor signings, but they just haven't really been able to make it mix. I wonder why that hasn't been the case. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, it was good to see William Saliba make his first start of the season, wasn't it? Do you think that had any effect in San Etienne keeping the score a little bit lower in this match,
1: Philip? Yeah, he was He was solid. I mean, he was... Uh, there's one guy out of that we do it, is the Vigvekhorst, the number nine the uh, centre-forward and he um Salibur really did a good job at keeping him quiet to be fair it was uh, yeah it was a it was a good performance for him mm. he's a good player i mean uh, why why would arsenal why would arsenal uh, buy him uh he's no he's quite he's quite uh, he's quite he's quite good
0: yeah i was just kind of worrying that he was going to like you've seen it with with some youth players um when they get a really bad injury and it just completely throws them off their boil. But I'm glad that he came in and looked just like the player that he was when he left. Um, and we'll move on to the last game that we're going to cover of the European fixtures, which was Lazio versus Stade-René. Now, Ren opened the scoring with Jeremy Morel at the back post, knocking home a free kick. But Lazio soon got back involved in the match with that man who is on everyone's lips two years ago, Sergei milinkovic Savic, and Ciro Immobile getting the goals for Lazio as they won at the Stadio Olimpico. Now, Thomas, was this the game that Ren should have really got more out of, especially with them scoring first, or is this the result that you kind of expected, as it was always going to be a tough trip to Italy?
2: It was a it was a, a typical uh, Ren performance. Um, they were. Just probably edged it, being the better side up until the goal. Um, it was it was a relatively stale game um, up to then, and then they just kept dropping deeper and deeper and deeper, and, and just invited a lot of pressure from from Lazio until until that goal. And I, I'm sure I, was, I can't remember, it must have I saw a, um, a stat from Optagent not too long ago, and it, it basically stated that Ren after going one 0 up or, or going up in a game, they consistently drop points. Um, and this was this was another example of it. They just they just sort of stop scoring. Yeah, stop they, scoring. They, just, they just ease off way too much. Look way too relaxed, and they just there's no. There was a, a slight kickback after they conceded twice, but after that it was it was a, um, a little too late, and it just keeps happening over and over. I, I wonder if they if they have a an average. Level of of keeping hold of a um, a winning position, mm. they'd probably be easily, you know, fourth position last yes. last season because the amount of times that they've 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 gone ahead and, and just given it up f- through just kind of simple simple mistakes and just um, and just giving way too much way too much of the ball and way too many openings for for opposition. It's it must be so frustrating for. For any um, any Ren fan,
0: well, just looking through their performances now, um, they did it against Marseille uh, last week. They did it against Celtic in the Europa League in their first match, and they also did it when they lost two one to Nice. Uh, it keeps happening. W- why is that? Do you think it's because their manager's so young? Does that I don't know. If, does that have anything to do with these sorts of things?
2: I think this actually predates <laughs> Julian stepan <laughs> It's been going on for. Quite a while, um, Renan. It's something that he needs to address because if they knock out of the game, then <laughs> they would be they would be really quite high up in the table. It happens a lot in in Liga, um, and I think it's just something because the, the the after they score that goal, there's no okay. We'll keep this this game solid now. It's just let's give them the ball and let's drop back into our own six yard area. Um, and see what we can do with it. There's, there's no, the pressure drops off, and, um, and they, they eventually give away that goal. Uh, mm-hmm. After <laughs> you must, any ren supporter must watch them and after they score that goal. They think, all right, okay, well, uh, we can get back from, from one all, because they just think we must, must know that another goal, a goal is, is going to be conceded. Um, it's just, it's, it's frustrating to see.
1: Mm-hmm. I can't speak for the. You know, for the league games where uh, I didn't really watch uh, the Marseille game last weekend, or any games except for when they beat us, when they beat Piaget, But it does, it, it does seem like uh, tonight, at least, they they conceded a very high quality goal from uh, Lazio players who were actually playing a B team. And Inzaghi, the Lazio manager, brought in uh, two two side two players from the from the first side, shall we say, uh, me and Kavic Savage and. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, the
0: other one,
1: you I know started actually. Yes. But anyway, and um, those two goals were quite good. It was very hard against. Yes, so crossing really well, yeah. People, I mean, people would, would say, yeah, that's about defending. I mean, you can't believe the amount of stick, uh, uh, Junior is getting this evening. Uh, like he's not. He hasn't won a game in such and such time stuff like that, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, there's nothing wrong with losing 2-1 at Lazio at the end of the day, especially with, yeah. with, with, I'm not going to say the difference of players, because Wren do have some, some some good players, but, I mean, he's getting he's getting loads of stick because uh, his team was ahead, and they got zero points, not, not to mention the refereeing decisions, which were not as bad as the French press were making out to be, but it was still a bit, you know, Wren could have had a penalty early on, but then again, I mean, if they score, they lose. So mm. wouldn't have changed much.
0: Well, I, I think I saw a stat and it was, uh, again, I don't know the specific numbers, but it was something generally about the time that it took rain managers to lose 10 games. And it was talking about Sabri Lamushi and Christian Gurkuf and Roland Ruiz. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just saying that Julian Stefan is basically... Taken way longer time to lose ten matches compared to his predecessors, so it just shows that like even though they might be a little bit of a sticky patch than currently, mm-hmm. generally he's a step I ahead agree. of the of the people that have like preceded mm-hmm. him.
1: And yeah. I I
0: agree. Yeah, f- first of all,
1: I I actually thought that uh, Lamushi was uh, was let off uh, quite harshly because the results were not very good. But to me, it was just sticky patch, and he, yeah, I mean, I what he did he did quite a good job. And second of all, people are very quick to forget they just won a trophy for this club who hasn't won one since uh, yeah forty I know. years. Mm. That, I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. I mean, he's doing a fine job. He's got a good squad. He's, he's still doing a fine job with what what he has.
0: I mean, and, tro- for a manager who's thirty-nine to be yeah. doing as well as they are, like, it's okay, give him a rest, give him time. He, he, he beat yeah. PSG in a cup final, won the Coupe de France, you know, almost won the trophy de Champion. Like, give him time, give him a rest. Honestly, I just hope that
1: Ren's hierarchy aren't as as but, you know, well, you know trying I mean, no, happy as non yeah. I mean, no disrespect, but it's only Wren. I mean, it's not like it's you know. Marseille or Lyon or Saint Etienne. I mean, it's only Rennes, It's not. It's not as the biggest club in the country. yes, yeah, it's it's the biggest biggest club in Britain. Sure, but you know, don't don't expect Champions League football from. You know, be realistic. I don't, I don't, know. don't tell non fans that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, right. Well, let's move on to our first preview of the episodes and Phil, this is your team and also Thomas, your team. geez oh look at this. PSG <laughs> versus Angé. So firstly, before we even talk about a- either team or whatever, PSG sitting top, Onj just below them in second. Thomas, who would have seen this coming at the start of the season? That this was going to be such a crucial game in the early title race?
2: <laughs> yeah, not me probably. Um I think even though the most optimistic of Anch's of course wouldn't have seen this as a as a a, a um a title uh, well a first Table place <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a uh, uh, a uh, a game that's between the top two. Yeah, certainly. Mm. So,
0: firstly, let's talk about the underdogs in this match. If you don't mind me saying that, Thomas, what will Onge's? Yeah. <laughs> so, Philip, <Pobble>. uh, Thomas, <laughs> what will Andrzej's mindset be coming into this match? You know, they've been in a good run recently, but last week they they drew against Hamion. Uh, they've only really been they didn't do that well against Toulouse, only scoring very late on to the match. What's their mindset coming into this match? Have the wheels started to fall off a little bit, or do they think that they can really take this game to PSG?
2: Um, I hope it's uh, just sort of an optimistic. Let's just go. Let's just go for them. I mean, we saw what we saw what um, happened when um, uh, David Guion came with with uh, a couple of a couple of weeks ago, and they they. Uh, very good performance against PSg and I don't see what any reason why andre can't uh, can't do the same my only concern is that Stefan Moulin puts them in a, a far at the back and and then just keeps sitting back and further back and further back mm. um and then it allows psg to to just slowly and surely just find a, a sort of a uh, a mistake somewhere which has been occurring. Um, quite often this season um, in that back line, mm-hmm. and then just scoring that first goal, and then after that, you never know the footlights could could come open. So I'm hoping for um, a exciting performance. I mean, andre the top scorer in, in the division so far, so um, hopefully it's uh, it's going to be a, an exciting game. And it's it's the last game before the um, centennial anniversary of the club, so maybe uh, Mula wants to go out with a well, go into that into that um, that celebration with a with a, a confident and um, hopefully exciting performance. Mm.
0: But Andrzej's match in the build-up to this was a 1-1 a draw with Amion, who are currently just sitting above the relegation spots. Do you think this PSG match was at the back of the minds of the Andrzej players going into this game?
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, no. <laughs> um...
0: Do you not think that held them back in this match? They weren't as clinical as they have been.
2: Yeah, it was a... It was a difficult one because Amion, it was not, it was uh, another uh, Boutel mistake um that gave away gave away the goal. And then after that, Amion decided, oh, we'll just waste time. <laughs> I mean, Gertner was taking uh, probably 20, 30 seconds for each goal kick um after <laughs> after the first goal. Uh and it was it was sustained Andre pressure, but there was not a lot of chances being created. There was too many. Too many sort of pot shots from range um and then of course, ali go has to go and score a screamer <laughs> from about thirty yards out um, but uh, it was yeah it was a it was a difficult and sort of a frustrating performance I mean Gertner made one or two fabulous saves um, uh, I think it was a yeah a tricky a tricky tricky game to win. One or draw, um, not the worst result. It could have been a one-nil loss, um, so I'll take it and uh, let's see if we can carry. A, well, let's let's hope the the away form that we began with in the season doesn't uh, doesn't come back to uh, to bite us this time round.
0: So, Philip, your team will obviously be expected to be winning this match with. Ease, but are PSG mm-hmm. worried by this challenge, or are they expecting to just walk all over Jay, despite uh, Les Lesco being in quite good form?
1: Neither. Um, the oh, we talked about the midfield. We talked about how we don't score a lot of goals, even though we've scored. Yeah, we've scored eight. eight it's thirteen, yeah, thirteen and eight games, which is pretty good. It's not, it's actually not, uh, not that bad the attack. Um, but uh, still, I, I'm not expecting loads. I mean, m- most of most of what we've um, what we've scored, there's only been actually uh, two games where we scored more than two goals. That was home to Nîmes on the opening day of the season, home to Toulouse, four uh, nil. Um, but um, it's, it's been a lot of one-nil results. We've had a home defeat, which uh, hasn't happened in a very, very long time. Especially when we weren't champions yet. Um, all the signs are quite are, are quite worrying, and I'm expecting Auger to line up as they usually do in a four-one-four-one and be extremely um, extremely disciplined at the back. I mean that that's that's basically in in the. Uh, uh, in the mantra of the of the of the football club with uh, Stefan Moulin. they're just extremely extremely organised. That's how they they don't, they never really challenge by, by relegation every every start of the season. Every summer we start saying, okay, it's maybe time for them to go down because they've been here long enough. But no, they don't they they don't lose games. They don't concede a lot of goals. There's loads there's loads of draws and most of the home games are well maybe not one but you know it's 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 solid and it works. So I'm I'm pretty sure it'll be nearly nil half time. That I'm quite confident about. I mean I don't know I don't know if Mbappe is fit to start or not. I know there were doubts
0: about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean he did. Uh, I'm not sure if he did come on uh, in Istanbul. Uh, let me check. Yeah,
2: yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah so. he did. So
1: he could you know he could start and that could make a difference. But. When you look at the performances again, uh, a football match to me is one in midfield, and you just need someone to get between those two lines. of four, but there will be uh, Santa Maria, and that's going to be the big problem. He's going to to defend the defense like, well, like he usually does with with loads of accuracy, and and I expect Jorge to put to put players behind the ball. So we'll need to be patient. We'll need to to uh, to, to be precise in our passing. We we'll need will need to precise in uh, in getting the ball to the right players in the penalty area, and we'll need to score actual chances, which which hasn't really happened. Mm. Basically, I'm not I'm not saying it's like the, the biggest game of the season, as in uh, some, some kind of Manu Barcelona type of thing, uh, because uh, let's face it, it's only October. Um, but um, yeah, I'm certainly certainly not expecting to waltz through this uh, this side uh, because we've had I I just can't remember us having so much trouble. Um, beating sides I mean we, we needed Neymar against Strasbourg we need Neymar against Lyon uh, we, need, we lost at home to Rennes and Neymar wasn't enough I mean Neymar scored at Bordeaux but he never would have scored without Mbappé but that just tells you something
0: So how does this game go if Mbappé isn't available for PSG?
1: So if he starts and the bench and comes on?
0: If he isn't available at all like some reports have been, yeah. Like some well, reports have been. What do we go for? Nil
1: nil. <laughs> <laughs> Could that happen? I mean, PSG been. I've been. I mean, so has, has anybody? I haven't actually checked that. Has anybody checked the the, the, the uh, past PSG uh, results? Yeah, uh,
2: I, I've got, we we drew yeah. nil nil in our first season. Um Yeah, that was a that was quite a crazy performance. Ever since then, I think we've been losses. Um, always. Yeah, so the one, I
1: mean five nil or just
2: two? yeah there was a yeah there's uh, past two seasons have been quite there's been one or two quite um bad losses mm. and then we've had I think it was a two one loss yes. last season and season before something like I've, I've got I've got them here
0: Thomas so the last five matches have been two one PSG right at the tail end of last season with Flavian Tate missing an eighty eighth minute penalty. Um we also had PSG winning 3-1, PSG winning 2-1. And mm-hmm. then Floodgates opened when PSG beat Andrzej 5-0 um, and also a 1-0 PSG win. So it's not actually been that, you know, three of these matches, three of these wins were only by a single goal. So it's not like PSG have always walked over Andrzej in these matches. Apart from that 5-0 win, they've not been, you know, they've not been so far apart, the two teams. And, mm-hmm. and Andrzej have scored in their last three matches against PSG.
1: And I'm not expecting it to be any
0: different. I, d- I, think, I think it will be tight. I don't think anyone really thinks that PSG are going to walk this match. Mm. If if Mbappe's playing with one leg on, he's not going to be as efficient. <laughs> like It's just not. Oh, and PSG are focusing, or it looks as if, with their midfield right now, they've put so much focus on defence. So, I, you know, it will be tight. So that brings me to... My score predictions. Uh, Philip, I'll start with you. What do you think this match is going to finish? A quite intriguing fixture between PSG and Anjie.
1: I'd say 1-0. A known goal from Kaz- Kazimian Ninga in the 89th minute. Something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, Thomas, actually, I was about to ask you, what minute do you think Neymar is going to score his overhead kick to win the match? 89th? 88th? Oh. What, are we, what, are we, what are we going for? <laughs>
2: Well, I remember the uh, Coupe de France um, uh, w- when Angers got to the the final. In their second season, it was amazing um, amazing run to the final, and uh, and it was a, a one nil loss. And it was um, oh, it was uh, right? Yes, that was it. Sizoko uh, scored a, an own goal in the last last dying second. So maybe <laughs> maybe uh, Angers can. Um, can uh, sort of uh, right that wrong, <laughs> that victory. Um, but uh, I mean, it's ambitious to say, but I'm um, I'm spurred on by uh, the the sort of worrying words that that, that uh, Phillips said. So I'm going to go for an Ange win. Uh, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say uh, two one.
0: Come on, Angie. they're winning. I can't wow. believe it. We've predicted it, we've predicted it. I can't wait for it to... That you. would
2: be historic, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. 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 Would, I, I would actually say it would be one of those I was there moments. <laughs> if, I mean, yeah, if, if you get that, yeah.
2: yeah. You never know, you never know. But either, no. the defence the defense of stability and, and structure is um, really? has been fading for quite a while now, so... But I'd watch, I'd watch them on the counter. If, they, if you get caught out and they, uh, somebody picks off, the, if Santa Maria picks off the, the ball and, and plays it forward, then uh, we've been pretty clinical uh, finishing them chances.
0: So I'm um, just checking now to see when the last time on beat PSG. And I don't, I don't think it's ever happened. don't think so, no. Yeah, like you said, that, that 0-0 draw in 2015 hmm. was is pretty much the closest they've they've came. Wow, it's actually never happened. I didn't realise that. Oh, this is this is an incredible game then. This yes. this is the this is the best chance Andre have had in years of beating <laughs> PSG. I, I know that sounds so patronising, but just generally,
2: it could be uh it could be dramatic either way. It could be uh, a close, very close game, or maybe an Andre win, or, or I suspect PSG could just roll them over, depending on when they get that first goal.
1: It's, it's, it really typically is the kind of games you, you, you want to go and see when you get your season ticket. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, what you've been waiting for. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Since, ever, since I was a little boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I just really want to see Rashid Aloui score a screamer against us. I've always wanted to see it. <laughs> Okay, let's let's move on to another big match that's going to be happening in Ligue 1 this weekend, and that's the derby, the Rhone derby, with Saint Etienne and Lyon facing off. It's not. It's needless to say that this match has been met with more informed teams in recent years, as opposed to a team that's fighting to stay in the division and Lyon, who can hardly get into the top ten. Uh, is this the type of match, or, or, or for instance? Who is this game more crucial for uh, coming into this? Philip, what's your opinion on this? Who is this game more this, important
1: for, San Etienne or Lyon? This is a really tough question. Um, I, I'm still going to go with Lyon because... Um, let's just say they've got bigger aspirations than, uh, than the neighbours. And uh, that a defeat would be quite problematic to to Silvino, even though he gained some points, like I said. Athletic. Um, it's. I mean, it, they, do, they, they do. They do. This thing where they do the same They They say they're equals, but really, it's all about Lyon keeping Lavezas' mouth shut um, in uh, in that game. I mean, there've been, there've been so many stupid actions from both sets of ultras um, that I think uh, Lyon fans aren't allowed to aren't allowed to travel to uh, to Guichard for for a game there been some some story about about a wedding being crashed by by uh, Lever fans, but they actually uh, they actually made a mistake on 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 the groom. So that basically they basically crashed a, a, a poor man's wedding for for absolutely no reason. It's just it's just all it's all 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 come out very very uh, silly. But basically that the the the, the, the gist of it is that's. Uh, Lyon have to have to beat Saint Etienne, they can't lose to, to Saint Etienne. Mm-hmm. Um, they could, I mean, Entrepuy Bichat is bearable, they, they just can't lose at home. Um, for, for this game, yeah, I'm still going to say that Lyon, um, uh, need to not lose. I, I think, I honestly think the fans won't particularly mind a draw, 1 uh, 1 or 2 2, something like that. And, um, and that Saint Etienne just, just want to be reassured, to be honest. I'm, I'm again, I've said it before. We covered the uh, uh, what was it so the Wolfsburg game. That's not going to stay in that in that kind of kind of position um, all the um, all year long. I mean, I just can't see it happening with all the quality players. So, yeah, more important to Lyon. And uh, but I think draw. This is to to be honest to me. This has a draw. This has a draw. in all over it with basically both sets of uh, fans and clubs or and um, chairmen and boards. Just afraid, afraid not to lose basically. So this match will
0: will see a lot of pressure potentially come under Silvino if he fails to win this match. Of course, he's been under a lot of pressure generally at Lyon this season. But other stories have been developing at San etienne regarding their manager. Currently, at the time of recording, on the 3rd of October, Thursday, the 3rd of October, gislain Printant is still the manager, but we're we're expecting to hear that Claude Puel, uh, the former Leicester coach most recently, is set to be appointed San Etienne manager ahead of the derby. The reports are are suggesting that it's going to happen just when the show uh, will be released on on the Friday. So, uh, Philip, I'll I'll start with you again. Uh, who how do you think this game goes if it's under Printant and if it's under Puel? You know, is this just another Poor performance under Printant or under Puel is it the type of game where a new manager can bring a new lease of life to the team?
1: No, no, yeah. I, uh, I honestly think that you uh, won't change nothing. It's basically been all over the press right now that Puel is taking Printant's place tomorrow, so uh, he'll have uh, maybe a day. I mean, probably um, 30, 30 to 40 hours to to prepare for that match, and he'll just, he'll just. Give the same um, uh, probably probably uh, line up a side that is very similar to the side that lined up this evening, and uh, see how it goes. Again, when you change managers, there's there's usually uh, some some difference in the players' attitude, and uh, I think a lot of players uh, respect Priel for what uh, for what he did at uh, Lille, and and, uh, for being an experienced manager for actually uh, going abroad and. and coach uh, Simon like Lester, I'm, I'm probably going to ask you guys later why he left. I mean, to, to me, it sounded it sounded like he had a successful stint, but uh, that's that's me. Um, and that uh, maybe this will spur the players on, but I just can't see, but I just can't see uh, them uh, being in different uh, different formation, white tactic, white. I mean, he just just doesn't have enough time to do that unless he's been thinking about it for a month, which I'm pretty sure he hasn't. Um, so, yeah, it really depends on the, on the players being buoyed by uh, by that uh, by that appointment, which is possible. It's possible. I just can't see it. I'm not really. I just can't see it happening um, to to make such an impact against in such a big game. Sorry, Thomas.
0: Do you think that Claude Puel could have an effect on the Sanetian team if he is as expected appointed manager ahead of the match?
2: Um it's a difficult one. I mean, if <laughs> if I'm appointing a manager, I don't really want to um appoint him just before the the derby a day to go. Um, doesn't really give him I'm not sure what the what Puel thinks about that, but um it's a, a difficult one. I mean, I, I would have probably given it to plant uh, Panton to give him sort of a, a free hit and see how see how he we- that game happens and if it's a win then he goes out he goes out on a high and if it's if it's a loss then there's a lot of negativity around and, and, and a new manager bounce coming some positivity coming in um, can can sort of make the club or, or hopefully that, that push the clubs on and help help them to forget about um, the loss um, but I, I don't know if Puella's how much preparation he, he's, he's gone into um, this 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 match, if he knows how he's going to set up, um, it's a difficult one to 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 see how he how he will do. Um, obviously, there's that is the is there going to be a new major balance, so the players going to be um, invigorated to play for him and and try and impress him, um, especially in such a big game. Um, it could really go uh, either way.
1: Mm-hmm
0: but is the, is the, are these derby matches not the type of games where you know it's a bit of a cliche but i do think there is some truth to it the idea that form just goes out the window form gets forgotten Forgotten for these matches. So San Etienne will not play like they're sitting 19th. Leon will not play like they're sitting 11th. You know, both teams will, will go into this match full-blooded because we've seen some really feisty matches in, in recent years. Ones including the 5-0 drubbing by Leon, but also the, the 2-1 win yes. for Leon towards the end of last season where Moussa Dembele scored such a late winner. Um, is, is this the type of game where both teams just come into it don't care about what's happened prior to the game, just really need to win. And like we've said, it is a game that both teams need to win. I don't know what your opinion is on that, Thomas.
2: Yeah, I think you make you make a good point. Um because it's such a historic um historic derby and so much um sort of passion and an underlying context about it that that maybe the players just throw away the 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 ideas of the form and and it's, it'll be it'll be a very intense atmosphere um, for both sides so maybe the etienne get that that bounce and it produce a, a good performance um, Leon aren't looking too too great I mean Silvino's still figuring out his team I wouldn't set up in that three five two you're not playing Leipzig you're playing um, a side that are struggling um, at the moment, and even though it is a derby, I'd, I'd set up a bit more, um, just a bit with, more attacking generally. Yeah, a bit more, uh, yeah, some some more attacking impetus um, th- than they did play against against Leipzig. So generally,
0: uh, this game is going to be so tight. It's definitely going to be the best spectacle of the weekend. And I want your score predictions for this game. So, Thomas, what do you think this match is going to finish?
2: Um, I'm predicting the same score it was last year: two-one, Leon.
0: To Leon, right? Okay. Philip. Three-nil to Leon. Three-nil. Yeah. I think they're just going to walk all over them.
1: Yeah. But and Leon. And then Pierre has the has the international there. to say as well. Let, let's get to work now. He will. He will. I, I mean, actually, I'm 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 pretty much convinced he's going to he's going to be he's going to have a successful time at Saint Etienne. That's, I mean, I have little doubt about that because he's he's been successful everywhere he's been, more or less, except actually Leon. Do
0: you like Claude Puel? Oh, do you like Claude Puel? I know he's a manager that I, that I, I quite like.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. I think I think he's uh, he's well. He, he, He's a typical French manager, in that he's quite cautious. But I mean, he does he does takes takes uh, his, uh, risks uh, in his career. And again, I was going to ask you, why was he? What happened at Leicester? Because I thought he was he was Leicester. Well,
0: a... So the general idea was um, when he I think he went to Southampton before Leicester did really well there,
1: and when Leicester Yeah, and he got he got sacked because it was boring. That's
0: well that that was the idea. So he went to Leicester who. Yeah. So, so, OK, I always use this appointment as a perfect example for when a manager doesn't suit a team, because yes. some fans just think, oh, you can just put any manager with any team and they'll make it work if they're a good manager. Not necessarily. So yeah. Club wells football was a bit more possession based, a bit slower and wasn't the same style that Leicester used to win the Premier League when they were just kick the ball up really far and hope Jamie Vardy gets on the end of it he was a completely different type of manager and for for the year or so that he was there he tried to instill that into the Leicester team and at times it worked at times it didn't and it was the type of thing where fans started to get on the back of him because they had just become so used to this really fast attacking football and anyone who wanted to kind of change that was a bit of an enemy. He was a, He's also French, I think. He was a not as not as eccentric as managers in the past, like Claudio Ranieri. And he just didn't really have that connection with with the fans. Probably because a little bit of the language barrier. I know he spoke English, but he just didn't have as much of a connection that previous managers had had. I always thought it was a bit of an unfair an unfair dismissal. But in the Premier League right now, in England. It's insane how quickly you can be shown the door. Um, there was a manager last season for Crystal Palace, Frank de Boer, who uh, yeah. was only there for four matches, lost four games or something like that, mm. and was 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 sacked. And I'm like, how are you supposed to give anyone? How is anyone supposed to build a team if you can't get four matches? Four you know?
2: games, yeah.
0: And and the same happened with uh, Javi Gracia this season. At Watford, I think he didn't win any of his first four matches, first five matches, and was was sacked despite taking them to the FA Cup final
1: the I year mean, before. I get, I, I can tell from the match of the day interviews after the after the, I mean on Saturday evenings, uh, pure lacks charisma. But mm. I, I mean, I figured, I figured the club knows that before involving um, him. Oh yeah, but. So why why do you enroll someone who, who lacks charisma, who's a bit boring? I mean, he is he's a boring guy, you know, no, no disrespect, but he's he's successful at what he does. He's a good manager. Yes, but it just it just uh, I just don't know. It's it's like it's like uh, the club don't really care. They just want to appoint someone new and some someone exotic, shall we say, uh, out of uh, continental Europe, and then the fans and then hope the fans warm to him. And, and then, then when the results don't go, and even when the results go their way, because at Southampton, the result did go uh, Puel's way. It's just that the teacher didn't like him. You know, it's just that the football wasn't very nice to watch. But mm. again, I mean, do, do you want points? What do you want? Do you want do you want points and and good football and the wins and you know, yeah, Europe yeah. Champions yeah. League, World Cup, and all that? I mean, mm. t- to me, it, it does it does seem like um, no disrespect to Southampton or or Leicester, that's so a bit too demanding with their manager.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I that, mean, that's, yeah. That's my opinion. It's like, I do, we're going to move on to the Montpellier match, but just just a quick note to finish on this. Uh, Claude Puel, when he was brought in, was the manager that was told, you've essentially got to take this team that just won the Premier League out of nowhere and yeah. kind of keep them afloat. The season before Puel joined, they finished 12th, the seed yeah. Af- His first season that Puel was at, they finished ninth, and he had them pretty much in the top ten the season after that with an ageing squad, let's just say. Their squad's a lot better now, but a a bit of an ageing squad that needed uh, a bit of a touch-up. And he was just completely used as, as an enemy, pretty much, in Leicester. It was a really sad situation, actually, how it all transpired. But I agree with you, Philip. I think he will do well at San etienne he's, he's a manager who's been about, He's he's got a bit of history, a bit of experience to him and he's going to a San etienne team that have a lot of experience and a lot of quality in their ranks, so I think it's a smart appointment from uh, the San etienne hierarchy and I do hope it goes well I don't think they're going to lose 3-0 I'll, I'll say that, I don't think they're going to lose 3-0 but generally I think it will be a good appointment in the long term Gislon printon, it just just hasn't worked out and as much as I'm not a person who always wants a manager to just get sacked as soon as it's not going well it's the type of appointment right now where it never looks as if it's going to really improve so yeah it's probably the right time to to bring Puel in but we are going to move on to our final match of the episode which is going to be Montpellier versus Monaco and I really want to talk about this match more because of Monaco really as opposed to Montpellier no um no um Offence to La Palade, uh, but Monaco have made a change to their formation in recent weeks, which has really helped their performances, hasn't it? They have moved from you know four of the back formations to a three five two, which was apparently pleaded with by the squad they, they were saying to the manager Jardam that a 3-5-2 would work better with this team they used it against Ramps where they got a nil-nil draw but it's really come into its own in the last two games hasn't it they beat Nice 3-1 and then smashed Brest 4-1 so Thomas what do you think of this tactical switch that Monaco have made recently do you think it's the the way forward for them?
2: Uh, definitely. I mean, they've actually won some games and played pretty good football. Mm. Um, that midfield looks much more complete in the past. I think we mentioned it last week that 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 Fabregas, uh, Bakayoko, and and Golovin uh, combination. It, there's there's a lot of um, good elements to that, and it sort of covers all the bases you want from a midfield. You know, um, good ball retention. You know physicality from Bakayoko and 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 drive and a good transition and then and then some um some final final passing and quality from from uh, from golovan that that that's really exciting and then you've got slimani who's who's sort of come from from leicester in um bad form and and uh, not very well favoured at the club and he's he's started on absolute fire. Um, he's he's been brilliant, and even alongside he's out Sean Ben Yedder, uh, who was more of the uh, the, the star signing. I think it's four four goals, four assists already. No. It's, it's crazy. St- um, statistically, statistically, yeah. Thomas,
0: I was reading that it's the best start to, to life in Ligue 1 for any player since like stats really started getting um, really reviewed I was reading that this is a this is a nice little plug this is a great segue actually I was reading this in Eric Devins and Adam White's article in the Guardian this week for GFFN there's my plug uh, they talked all things more and the new formation did you like that Philip that nice little switch yeah. in there <laughs> uh, but yeah sorry Thomas keep going what you saying
2: yeah so both um, both strikers are performing really well they've got um, it's sort of bye bye Falcao where's he gone uh, we've got Stomani in <laughs> um, but uh, yeah it's been really exciting I mean against that, that game against against Brest they just they had, they had 14 shots on target it's crazy amount of um, amount of shots on target it's crazy um, I'm not too convinced about the fullbacks I've never really rated Balotori that much um, Jelson Martins uh, I'm not sure about as a fullback I think when uh, Benjamin Henriques comes back from his injury, it'll be probably starting there. But uh, um, obviously, it's it's, um, an upturn, uh, a rapid and dramatic upturn in in form for Monaco and and one they hope to continue in in this game.
1: Not to mention the quality of Alexan Mendy's goal for Brest because it was a superb half-volley in off-the-post. So Leconte was well beaten. It was probably one of the best goals of the season. Um, and so it really easily could have been f- uh, five nil. Well, they only scored four, but you know what I mean. It could have been yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it could have been a yeah. clean sheet, and that and that could have been that could have been even better because the the only problem being, I mean, it's very impressive for them to score seven goals in two games uh, when they failed to score three times before that. Uh, but uh, they've only kept a clean sheet once, and that was by playing with ten men behind the ball at a house. Whilst we're not very, we're not that good at um, at home. So what they need to do now is keep on with uh, this Beniello slimani partnership, which is which is probably one of the, which probably looks on paper as the best the best in the league, and uh, not concede any goals.
0: It's it's working so well yeah. for them at the moment, and in their last few matches at centre back, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, and we were we were talking about Camille Glick mm. and just how generally he should have probably been out of the club a few years ago or last year at least but the, the back three of Camille Glick Benoit Barry Schiele, and that man Jamerson has been doing pretty well hasn't it but generally do you think they should stay with that back three or should the new signing Maripan be brought into the team what do you think about that Philip because Maripan has not imp- has impressed some lookers in recent weeks
1: time will tell on uh, the game's on Saturday right or maybe Sunday uh, but but um, uh, the, nice, the Nice win was uh, with Maripan as a, a centre back, as the centre back in the yeah. back, the centre of the back three, and the win against us was Gleek.
2: Mm. Now
1: my understanding would be that uh, Jardim would favour Gleek over uh, over Maripan just to get, get uh, the, uh, the big um, uh, what's it called as uh, a big locker room guy on his side, so that he wouldn't farm us behind his back like he like he has done in the past. Mm. But that's a bit unfair, on Maripan. But that's what you get when you're when you just got bought in by a club that uh, went quite fine in the Champions League not so not so long ago. Yeah. So my bet is it's on the league, but not for, for probably not for the right reasons. Yeah, well, we we'll it's, okay, huh. it's not. It, it really is. I, I honestly don't think it, it makes or break a game for Monaco. I think what's what's really important is that they dominate the midfield and that if if we something near it and. Uh, Islam Slimani can keep uh, fit then it's going to work
0: And let's move on to their opponents in this match Montpellier so they've not been the most consistent starting uh, to this, a consistent start to this season rather you know they've been winning some matches but also losing and and drawing there's not really been much of a, a, a pattern to Montpellier's play. Thomas what have you made of their their season so far? It, it's almost as if they're still to really you know really really get going.
2: Yeah, um I like it about consistency. I mean Montpellier the past couple of seasons on the, the Zakarian have been consistently drawing um a lot of games and and it's most most games they've played haven't been that exciting um i mean you look back over the past uh, four games it's been 1-0 loss 1-0 win 1-0 draw 2-1 win uh it's not exactly exciting scorelines mm. um I, I think for me watching montpellier i'm just waiting for for Savigny to 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 come back and fit um and then that'll uh that's that's going to be exciting when he when he slots into that team um yeah that what I'm waiting for is really suffering yet to come come into that side. Yeah, do you think he's such a crucial part of this team that they
0: they obviously they expected to have him a lot more this season and and they couldn't really replace him because he was injured just in or around the end of the transfer window I'm pretty sure. Um so do you think that you know their fortunes will change when such a crucial player like like him comes back into the team?
2: Uh definitely. I mean he was phenomenal for for Nîmes last season, and if he can get back to that that form after that after after his injury, then um, Montpellier have a, a star on their hands, and I think he he could be just as influential as he was uh, last season. Philip Montpellier's defense has been, you know
0: it's it's done well but there's been a little bit of a joke with them obviously having Hilton who's 42 in in the defense Daniel Congre, who's not too young and Pedro Mendes who's almost getting to the wrong end of 30 do you think that it's time for a, a younger center back like Nicolò Cozza to be to be put into the team a little bit more
1: now i, I would you know i would welcome this kind of uh uh blunt surge of initiative. but uh, knowing the manager, knowing uh, how uh, experience is um, uh, should say rewarded by most most managers and in, in Liga in general, I just can't see it happening. I mean we'll probably have a good defense. they've got experienced defenders and if they all fit, I'm not quite sure Koza will will find his uh, will find his mark. The thing is, um, Montpellier are winning their home games. They've won all their home games except the first one, home to Rennes, uh, on the opening day of the season. And they're losing away from home. I mean, that's that's the situation they're in. It doesn't mean the defence is bad. Um, it's just that... Um, I, I don't know. I just don't feel them as, uh, shall we say, motivated for a game, say, at Marseille, which cards are started... Uh, than uh, a home game at Le Mousson. Mm. so it's really up to the managers to say, okay, well, sometimes sometimes he played Daniel Congrès, sometimes he played Kodza. It could it could be, but knowing him, I don't think he will. It's a bit
0: of a shame because I, I feel it whenever I, whenever I've seen kodza he he looks ready. He definitely looks ready for more league and football. You know, mm. um, it's always in place
1: of Congrès, always.
2: Yeah, I think as. As um, I was going to say, as then players get older, but Hilton, Hilton's still going. We um, hope that they would.
0: He just keeps signing one-year contracts, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> just at <laughs> That's the good. end of every season, doing it. Pretty I pretty mean, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a shame, but but hopefully, Kotze gets put in the team a little bit more because again, I think he's one of these these promising centre backs coming out of League One at, at the moment, and he just doesn't get enough recognition for it. But generally, I want your score predictions for this match. So Montpellier versus Monaco. Philip, I'll start with you. What do you think this game is going to finish?
1: I'm going to say Montpellier 1, Monaco 2.
0: Okay. uh, Thomas? Uh, 2-all draw. Right who will draw quite an exciting one. I don't know, Mont- Mont- like you were saying, Montpellier's results are usually quite boring. I don't know if they can score twice in a match. Uh, I'm going to they're go... against,
2: against Monaco defence though. So.
0: This is true, this is very true. But they, they didn't start with uh, Laborde in their last match. I don't know if that was because of fitness or something. They had Scouletich up top, didn't they, who missed a penalty. Um <laughs> it, was, it was actually a bit of a weird lineup from Montpellier. I don't know if, again, I'm not sure if there was fitness issues, but they started with Matias Suarez at fullback instead of Suquet. They didn't have Laborde up front. Keegan Dolly played ahead of Florian Molly. It was a bit of a weird perf- um, lineup from Montpellier, which is probably why they lost 1-0, to be honest. But I am going to keep my faith in Monaco right now. I think they're on a good wave of form. and I'm going to say Monaco to win 2-1. So today, the French national team announced their call-ups for the next few matches in the European qualifiers against Iceland and Turkey. So the main takeaways was firstly the dropping of Matteo Guendouzi; uh, he seems to be replaced by Tongi Ndombele and also Quentin Teliso of Bayern Munich. Do you think this is the this is the right selection to bring in? Of course, Guendouzi is a very exciting up and coming French footballer from Lorient, now playing for Arsenal, but do you think that Ndombele and Tolisso just have a bit more quality and consistency about them at the moment, Thomas?
2: Yeah, I think it's a, a difficult one, really, because um, uh, Deschamps, like, he, he, he likes his um, irregulars. he likes to have Sissoko in there, and, and Guendouzi has been kind of running the show a little bit at Arsenal in um, that midfield, but I think, obviously, with Tolisso and, and Ndombele coming back, they're both uh currently a, a high level of, well best better quality players than and at the moment but um i'm sure he'll he'll be back in the squad um if there's any injuries or across the across the next well heading towards the euros really um yeah it it was kind of a predictable um a predictable uh, selection from Deshaun but it was good to see uh Mondondo back in the squad i mean you can't really argue against that he's had a really really good um, start to the season he yeah, looks he's... he looks much much sharper than he was um, was last year he's um, much sharper but his reactions are quicker he's much cleaner saves um, a new lease of life and I'm sure uh, I'm sure VS Boas is loving that yeah he's, he's less like mistake prone
0: I feel like he was doing that yeah a lot at times last season, but that was probably just because of the pressure that Marseille had last season. But he's thirty-four years old and getting back into the French national team. I think it's quite quite inspiring in amongst <laughs> Ariola and uh, Hugo Lloris as well. Who do you think should start out of those three just for just for interest?
2: Uh I should probably put Ariola there. I that's, think Lloris that's... is not in great form and Ariola's I mean he was he was okay with, from Realm for Real Madrid when he um was on the other, the other day against mm. Bruges. But uh, yeah, I probably won't have that all, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah.
0: And another player that has been included in the team, but like we were saying this episode, there are reports that he could has picked up a bit of an injury and could miss out not only PSG's match this weekend against Angers, but also the French national team's matches over the next week or so. And that's, of course, the, the star man, Kylian Mbappé, for instance, let's say that he does miss these two matches against Iceland and Turkey. Who do you think should be the striker to be quickly called
2: up and to replace him? Get Musa Dembélé in that team, <laughs> Deschamps, please. Asking <laughs> for it. Um, he's he's not even been capped for the, the the full national team yet, and we're heading towards the Euros. I mean, we all love love Giroud, but. We, we just need Dembele there. That's like mm. at some point he needs to he needs to get there. He's he's been performing I mean, he's been just finishing well for Leon. He hasn't been performing great, but he's just been finishing really, really well. He's still very, very young. Just just get him in the squad, please.
0: It's <laughs> it's just getting a bit silly right now tomorrow, so isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think it'll 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 come eventually and it, it might it'll take some time, obviously, with Deschamps. Um like his own his own special and regular players, but eventually there's got to be a point where Dembélé is uh, is called up. Yeah,
0: I I think it's got to be him. I can't think of anyone else more more worthy of a call up right now, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. Than Musa Dembélé, um, he keeps consistently doing it <clears throat> for the under twenty ones, and he just he just deserves his opportunity to be honest. And if Mbappé does miss these few matches, he needs to be in the team. And that wraps up this episode of the preview show. If you are looking for more information on all things football and French, you can go to our website at getfootballnewsfrance.com or you can also follow us on Twitter uh, at GFFN. I mentioned earlier that you can read the article by our very own Eric Devon and Adam White that was released in The Guardian last week on Monaco and their New Look formation and just how it's doing generally. It's a very interesting article on Le Monegasque and that sums us up. I've been Louis McParlin. I've been joined by uh, my good friends Thomas Wiseman and Philip Bergiel, and we will see you next week or actually we won't because it's the international break isn't it? So uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks time actually for
1: the next episode of the preview show. Thank you very much for listening.